0: Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet.
1: With a new guest every episode, we explore the gutsy issues affecting
0: everyone in the workplace. Today we are chatting with Vanessa Bennett, a specialist high-performance coach we explore the challenges many of us face working remotely and how we can better manage our energy and that of our teams to avoid burnout. The new environment of working from home and working at work, this hybrid environment, is it working? Is it working in terms of productivity for for teams? How How is it playing out? What are you you hearing from the organisations that you're coaching and the people that you're coaching?
2: Yeah, it's a really great question. And I think the short answer to that is we're not 100% sure yet. Mm -hmm. So it's still very early on in terms of getting any sort of, you know, robust research on all of this kind of thing. Um, And I think the other thing as well is like different people work differently and so when we find when we're doing work in the hybrid environment and we're doing a lot of work helping people to redefine their high performance culture in a hybrid environment so um, what we generally find is that there are definitely some wins out of hybrid you know I think the old way of working uh, it, it was broken to a certain extent but have we really fixed it I don't know that we have So when we think about hybrid, what we find is that um, it's often what's good for the individual is not necessarily matching up with what's good for the business. So it's really great to be able to be in a position where um, people have a little bit more flexibility in terms of time or where they're working and that's definitely saving a lot of people energy, which is great. And they don't have to commute. So they're they're saving
0: time, which they can allocate in other ways, potentially.
2: Yeah, exactly. But the downside of that is, is sometimes um, what's working for them, that might make it hard for someone else that they're working with to do their job if they can't get them at a certain time or they're not sure what's going on or something like that. So um, it can actually create a lot of angst for other people that you're working with. And what we're finding is that, you know, some of those situations were probably problematic even before the move to hybrid, but the move to hybrid has exacerbated it because the other thing that we have as an issue in hybrid is that we have a lot more ambiguity. And so we haven't, if we don't really kind of define our new way of working, um, then it's really a lot of people are spending a lot of energy on stuff that we haven't had to before. So it might sound really silly, but things like, um, you know, if someone turns their camera off well, all of a sudden you've got five other people in a meeting going, not just trying to focus on the task at hand, but they're also having this back chatter in their brain. And why has she turned well, yeah, turn the camera that's off? That's right. Where did she go? And then it's like, and they come back and it's like, oh, I just had a package get delivered. And then you get five people go. well, if we were in the office, would we be accepting package? That kind of behaviour. At, at yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of been, um, we haven't had a lot of redefinition of of what's the acceptable norms of this yet and so when you've got all that ambiguity you've got all this back chatter which is draining people's cognitive energy or in our speaking yeah, absolutely an energy um and and i think that's a lot of that is still unresolved and people are not realizing the impact of that on not just themselves but on other people yeah
0: we've been hearing a lot in the media around burnout that everybody's you know burnt burnt out Is that a factor of a lot of high achievers not being able to switch off and and separate or is working from home, you know, I think about different personality types and for some people working from home, they're very disciplined, they can switch off, they've got balance in their lives, they go for a run, they go for a walk, but others are just on the whole time and they don't know how to turn off, and that in itself is exhausting.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that's definitely one of the contributors to that. So if we take a step back and we think about what causes burnout, if you look at it from a very high level, burnout is generally caused for us Office people, not not for athletes and things like that, but for us, for us office people, burnout is basically overspending your cognitive energy. That is really where that fatigue sets in. Well, talk to us a little bit about that
0: because for some listeners that will be a new term. So mm-hmm. um, I'd love to you to kind of tease that out a little bit more and give us a sense of what that means from a practical perspective for for people.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Christina. So think about mental energy. So it depends on where you're from, whether it's a psychology background. Some people call it emotional energy. Some people call it mental energy. I call it cognitive energy. I'm more of a neuroscience background. So, um, so think about your mental energy. It's that kind of feeling where you, you feel like you run a marathon, but you've barely left your desk. And it starts to manifest itself in physical fatigue. It starts to manifest itself in um, the inability to get excited about things that you would normally get excited about and be be interested in. Um, So there's all these kind of things that can happen. But generally speaking, um, people are not respecting that we have a certain amount of cognitive energy. And yes, you can replenish it. But the concept is most people are like, and we get that asked a lot. We, we say, oh, how do we get more cognitive energy? And the first thing is that we say to people is you need to stop spending so much of it unnecessarily. And when you don't know how you're spending it or what you're spending it on, it just goes and you don't even realize. So let's think about it. Back to the pandemic. you know, Did anyone ever think that they would have to spend cognitive energy on where is my next roll of toilet paper coming from mm-hmm. or Homeschooling. Like, we just don't factor that into our energy credit budget, you know, each day. And then all of a sudden we had to, and then we still tried to um, carry on like we did normally. And even if we don't have those other things to think about, um, then you get the issue of like, we're just on all the time. And that's probably a subset of that. Like, that's. And you're on in
0: different parts of your life all the time because pre pandemic, you'd go to work, you'd go to the office, you would. I mean, as a parent or whatever, you still might not switch off, but you have the opportunity to potentially switch off. You immerse yourself in the work environment and you can switch off different parts of your life. But now with this collapsing for many people of home and work all in the same place, there is no off button. Your home and your life and your personal life and your animal life and your children life have all just, you know, collapsed into one
2: big, hot and we don't have that separation Mm, it's so true and and I think you know like the issue with the mental energy is like your brain needs to be still and when you think about when we actually go to work and that might be part of a commute um, you might have a walk as part of that commute um, but you've still got some time where it's like you don't necessarily have to have constant stimulation but if you're literally going from one meeting to the next and you've got sort of no wind down time um, because you're going to a meeting by literally just clicking one button and clicking another button. You don't have that walking. You might normally have to walk 10 minutes to another meeting. Um, So all of these things are not happening where you would get those natural little breaks. And then of course- Incidentals,
0: that kind of incidental stuff that happened.
2: Yeah. And then of course, you know, you add in this exponentially increasing addiction to phones and devices and things like that so that even if people are taking a walk they're still like glued to their phones Um, and the brain just cannot handle that much constant stimulation and still function properly there's just so much that it's going into overdrive and then when you add in the hybrid environment and now you're spending cognitive energy on why did that person switch their camera off is it okay that they go and drop their kids every day at work whereas they wouldn't have done that before like all of these kind of things are just draining cognitive energy that we don't even realize let alone the basics that we've always been talking about with our clients um, for many years pre-pandemic around things like you know we, we we have about four hours a day of heavy cognitive energy available to us and if we're trying to spend more than that and that's not to say you know we can still work very long days but we need to make sure that it's an energy thing and where we only have four hours of heavy work to do once we have more than four hours of heavy cognitive energy work to do In a day, we're already overspending, and that's before you add on a pandemic and hybrid and whole new ways of working and getting on top of different technologies and all of this kind of thing. So um, a lot of the work that we've been doing on cognitive energy pre-pandemic, we've had to make sure that we go back to the basics of that, but then you add in everything that's been happening over the last three years, and it's just this cocktail ready for overspending cognitive energy and leading to burnout.
1: So I wonder about this productivity of, an. and I know working from home and the hybrid model, I would 100% agree with that um, because you have to have flexibility. But I wonder about the the actual productivity of companies and teams not being together and not learning. And I also think there's layers of um, differences from the point of view the younger generation in their 20s and 30s, how important is it for them to be in the office so they can learn from the older ones and they can ask questions um, that they need answers from? I mean, most of the things that we learn when we're in our early in our careers from listening to others. And seeing them doing it. well, if They're I'm missing out from, on that
0: incidental learning.
1: missing out on it. If I'm working from home, I'm not hearing it. What, what are people telling you, Vanessa, as far as your clients and teams and how that's affecting them and how they're trying to navigate it from a productivity point of view?
2: Yeah, we're seeing this a lot. Um, we're seeing it, say, uh, especially with junior staff, they're actually – A lot of them are quite keen to come in and bizarrely enough, it's a lot of the senior staff who kind of go, well, I'm more productive at home and away we go. Um, But there's a leadership issue there. You know, it's not just about you. You know, we need to make sure that we're leading other people effectively. And so, you know, a big part of that is understanding the impact of you not being there and what impact does that have on other people? But yes, we are definitely finding that people are spending way more time in meetings because they're kind of, they're diarising all of these check-ins because they can't just ask the person or they can't just find out you know, or, or hear what's going on. And so more meetings therefore means that less people are actually, the less time that people actually have to do the work, the less time they have to do the work. Well, of course, more meetings they need to have because people um, are seeing that there's a bottleneck with workflow. Um, and so that's one of the big issues that we're seeing that's draining the cognitive energy at, at the moment as well is issues with workflow and therefore things aren't being done on time or people can't just get the things to kind of move it to the next um, to the next person or to the next part of the process Um, and then what we're finding is that this is kind of creating this situation of last minute dumping on other people you know you're expecting someone to get something to you by a certain time they haven't gotten it to you and therefore now you're in a pickle because you've got to get it to someone else and you have promised and and someone always comes with a very plausible excuse of oh well I would have done that but then this happened and and you know the 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 issue is still well why is this the first time hearing about it it's harder to communicate because if there's a uh, if you reach a snag or something like that and you've got people in the same office as you You just go, hey, hit a bit of a snag. Can we renegotiate that deadline? Whereas it takes more cognitive energy to communicate when you've hit snags, when you can't find the person and then you've got to get on a meeting or send an email or something like that. And then because people are so tired and out of cognitive energy, um, they don't want to do the stuff that takes more cognitive energy, so it just falls by the wayside. And therefore, you know, this accountability in actually delivering what you said you were going to do by the time you said you were going to do it by, um, you know, I, I have to be honest. I've, I, I, I always think that accountability – is annoyingly low for most people but what I find is that yeah yeah, at the moment it is it is at an all time embarrassing low for so many people we've had to go back to basics on so many things around our accountability frameworks what what is an accountability mindset what are the frameworks that we implement on a day-to-day basis to increase communication so that people are actually um being accountable and the problem is as well people are not having any consequences for not being um for not being accountable because That's, people are too tired and out of cognitive energy to have what would be perceived as a difficult conversation by of having to hold someone to account really? we're
0: avoiding those difficult conversations yeah. i know in That's, a sales yeah. context what you're saying is spot on what i'm observing yeah. is and judith and i've been having this conversation as well is that there's no fast no people are evasive um, they because they're not having to meet you in the real world, and they don't actually know you in the real world. So, and there no aren't any consequences. Yeah. So they drag you along, drag you along, drag you along, and then drop you, and then you get ghosted. You they just become invisible. So you're spot on around um, what's happened to manners. And again, as Judith said, I don't want to be old fashioned. <laughs> What what's happened to basic alone. manners? What's happened to hey? I'm overloaded. Can somebody help me right now? Or hey, I can't do being vulnerable. Hello, um, I don't know how to do this. Can somebody help me? Um, or actually, I'm I, no. I don't have capacity. The word no. Being able to say the word no. No, I don't have capacity for that right now. I could do it in two weeks' time, but not this week. Why is what do you think's happened that we can't have because manners are there? We all know what the manners are, but for whatever reason, is it because we're in this online world and it doesn't have consequences now, or you become transactional? What's, That's what's, what it what's is. What's going on? Because I'm noticing it in sales environments and, and all sorts of environments where, like you said, the manners have just gone out the window, the yeah. but we
1: can become transactional, we're a transaction. Like if you're, if you're, um, uh, just being people via zoom, it becomes a transaction, you, you don't really know that person that well, or that so you don't have the same feeling and warmth and empathy. It's a transaction. And I can say no quickly. And the mm-hmm. thing is, leadership is an issue. Because Vanessa, you said it earlier, you know, a lot of the, um, the, the leaders, they, they're happy to work from home, they're they're in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s. They've got their contacts, they know their job inside out. This is great. I'm working from home. Why well, I've been there, done that, I've paid my dues, right? But as leaders of teams, what they don't realize is that there's a ton of people in their team who haven't and who don't know things. And so when they don't go into the office, even on a hybrid, because people tell me, you know, I haven't seen my boss in months, right? And when I do, why should I go into the office? Because my boss isn't there. So why should so when the leaders don't set the rules of engagement that everybody follows, then why are the why are the younger ones going to do it?
2: We want to define the hybrid culture because if it's not defined, it's a free-for-all and there's ambiguity and people are spending all this cognitive energy on all the stuff that doesn't contribute to outcomes for the business. So we've got to get rid of that, all right? There's so much energy and productivity that's being lost with that. So if we help people to go in there and say, right, what are the outcomes that we need to do? So even for leaders, you know, as a leader, you need to make sure that your team knows exactly what's expected of them. Okay, well, how do we do that? All right, it's going to be done differently now in a hybrid environment, but how do we do that? So how do we make sure we're getting these outcomes? And, you know, and a hybrid is great. You know, there's actually a lot of things where there's a lot of advantages. I mean, you know, people complain about, Zoom fatigue, which I find hilarious because Zoom is the least fatiguing platform. And um, and when you understand the neuroscience of what's going on with Zoom fatigue, you can actually get around it very easily and very quickly. Um, and I think, you know, if, if imagine if this pandemic had have happened even 10 years ago, you know, it, let alone 20 years ago. You with know, knowledge technology which
0: is right. the technology
2: exactly our our for professional services and financial services and you know our careers basically would have been decimated it would have been virtually impossible to do what we could so we have a lot to be grateful for in terms of the flexibility that this has allowed us to do what we need to make sure is that we still need to get outcomes for the business. So we need to remove ambiguity as much as possible. When I go in there and help people to define, to come up with their hybrid culture, I, I can't go in there and say here's the perfect um, hybrid culture because everyone's different, depends on the needs of the business, um, and and even with teams within businesses are going to be different depending on the needs of the teams. So what um, sorts so- of things
0: are ambiguous because you've used that word, that term um, a fair bit. What yeah. are the um so clearly it's an issue it's an issue in organisations so yeah. what are the sorts of things that people are experiencing as
2: ambiguous yeah so um we would look at things like even just understanding how we conduct meetings in a hybrid environment what is the new normal like we didn't really need to have a dress code in our employment contracts many people do but um you know we kind of knew how we dressed for the office and all of a sudden We've got people dressing for meetings, everything from dressed up in their suits at home to, you know, tracky dacks, and we're not even sure if they have pants on at all, you know. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and doesn't so, really matter anyway,
2: yeah. Well, oh, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, as so long as you look good from the from the chest up, but. Um, <laughs> But I think it, you know, it, it it's people were showing up and you know not even brushing their hair or switching their cameras off because they hadn't brushed their hair. And it's like, well, you're working, you know. And so um, we need to make sure that um, what is acceptable um, is it acceptable to turn your camera off? Is it acceptable to turn up in a certain thing to a uh, dressed in a certain way in a hybrid environment? Um, is it acceptable to, to get the package when um, when Amazon calls? what's acceptable? Is it acceptable that we should be, you know, spending all this time with the kids during the day and then working when other people can't get hold of us at night? You know, there's flexibility for you and then there's what is good for the business. And so all of this ambiguity of kind of like people are still not sure what is the right way to do this. So and has when we, the pendulum
0: kind of gone to what's good for you and it yes. now needs
2: to come back to what's good for the Correct.
0: It kind of feels like it's gone too much to the. It's all about the individual. Correct. And that's and a cultural is- societal thing. I think that's a that's a that's a big topic that's that's resonating
2: right across the world There's at the moment. Is. It is. It is. And I topic. sort of. And I'm not too worried about that because that's going to self correct beautifully with a nice little recession. Yeah so you know we get unemployment going all the way up and it'll start to so I'm not I'm not too worried about that but um it'll kind of you know uh, come back to where it should be but um you know it'll 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 settle where it where the market kind of needs it to be but it's a I think it's a case of like when we go in there it's it's like we still need to make sure that we're very clear on hey we want you to understand how you work best as an individual because you need to understand that So that you can do your best work. But make no mistake, when we come together to define our hybrid environment, you're not going to get everything that you want because the business still needs to run. Because if the company is not functioning and not hitting its outcomes for clients, there won't be a job. It's that simple. So we need to bring it KPIs are still KPIs. I mean, we still have KPIs. That's right. Exactly. But I love the idea of making sure that we're very focused on outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that can be from, you know, a hard KPI, like a a sales figure or something like that. But also a KPI, well, we we, we call them key culture indicators, which are your key BAM indicators, your behaviours, your activities, your mindset. And this is all the stuff that's kind of very much up in the air at the moment. So the way that we define our culture does need to be redefined. And it does need to be explicitly stated. So, you know, otherwise you've got ambiguity of like someone says in a, in a job interview, um, oh yes, I like to work flexibly. And the interviewer goes, Yeah, we have flexible working here. And the interviewee is going, Great, I'm going to be working from home five days, because that's what flexible is to me. And then you've got the interviewer going, Oh, great, they they can work from home one day a week because that's what flexible is to me. That's an, a perfect example of ambiguity. Yeah. All this stuff needs to be explicitly stated. So that that we're not spending any energy credits on. So what did they mean by flexible? It's like talk about this stuff. And this all needs to be gotten out on the table. And then this then becomes how we roll around here. And some people are even incorporating, um, once we've done work together, they're incorporating this into their employment contracts and getting people to re-sign them. So this is how we roll around here in the new normal. Yes, we want the flexibility. Yes, we want the upside of being able to embrace this hybrid environment. But make no mistake, the business has outcomes that need to be met. And everyone just working exactly how they want to work with no regard for what impact that has on other people will not get those outcomes.
0: Is there still a tension in terms of what you're seeing between input versus output? I mean, as a leader, I've always been output focused, Um, but I've worked for um, bosses who were input focused where I had to be at the desk at 8.30. If I was even one minute late, there was somebody phoning me saying, where are you? And I was not allowed to leave my desk until 5.30 in the afternoon or whatever the time is. And I know there are still leaders out there that are very focused on um, input. You're there, you're present between these hours. Changing your mindset as a leader to um, rewarding output is actually a very big shift. is Is it an is it an issue, or is this just an old is this still a, is this an old concept of input versus output?
2: Uh, it, it's definitely getting better um i'm I'm like you i've always been output focused and i think that's probably because i'm also from a sales background like output is very easy to measure in a sales environment it's like you've got one number in 12 months (laughs) thought that out
1: numbers
2: don't lie numbers don't lie so i think that's very easy and and in fairness you know i mean like sales people have not been working from an office nine to five you know forever that's just not the job so um So I think there's a certain amount of that where it's easier to measure the output. I think what's happened is um, in jobs where it's less easy to measure the output, um, people have gone into the default mode of, well, maybe I just measure the input instead because that's kind of what I know and it's taking less cognitive energy for me to do that. So um, that's not a great sort of situation to fall into, but I can... Neuroscientifically, see why that has happened. Um, I think we definitely need to get really clear on what are the outcomes, what's the output that people need to do, and have that flexibility a- around doing that. But it's also, you know, I mean, you've got you've got flexibility in terms of time. You've also got flexibility in terms of location. So, you know, we 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 often think about the flexibility of location, but we kind of forget the flexibility of time. And I think so long as, again, it depends on the role. But if 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 people understand when they can get you. Um, I've always been a big believer in just kind of, you know, seeing life as its entirety. Um, you know, I've been in situations where I've like I, I teach classes at the gym part time. I always have. And, um, you know, I might be on a plane in work hours learning my choreography, but then I'll do emails at night because it's easier than doing emails on the plane. Like, you know, so it's like just get it done. That's kind of the main thing. And so I think there needs to be definitely a lot more flexibility around that, but you can only do that when people are really clear on what needs to be done and by when. And then also having these, um, the problem that we're seeing now is that people are saying, yes, that they can do stuff because that takes less cognitive energy than saying, actually, no, I can't do that by that particular time. Or they're so overwhelmed they actually have no concept of whether or not they can do it, so they just say yes. And that's the quickest way to get someone out of their face right at that particular point in time, yeah. which, um, you know. People-pleasing people, I mean, ple- people pleasing is easier. Yeah. That's right. It's easier to say yes and then worry about the consequences later. And and in fairness, there haven't been a lot of consequences. People are like, oh no, I'm not keen to push people at the moment. And I understand that you know people are going through a hard time. And you know I kind of get that for a certain amount of time. But how long are we planning to pull that card for? Are we so, trading on
0: eggshells with our people? Are we trading on so. eggshells? And and how do we how how do we handle that delicately? Because there are some people that are genuinely um, being challenged yeah, by the absolutely. new environment. And how do we know the difference? And how
2: do we how do we manage that in a way that's good for the person and good for the business? It's open and direct communication. It's making sure that the visits have psychological safety to talk about those things um, and then making sure that people are providing support for that. Um, So, I mean, just as an example at the moment, you know, we're seeing a lot of people, oh, I'm really tired. It's my boss's fault. Well, that's not very accountable um you know but then I look at it and say well has the has the boss provided the environment where they the person has indiv- has psychological safety to push back and say actually no I can't get that done in which case you know that's a leadership issue but if the boss has said that and then this person is um and has and is still struggling for various reasons well let's talk about those so that we can get the person some help with that. Um, And, you know, there's so many ways that we can help people. Like, you know, we're brought in to do things like that as well. You know, we're coaching a lot of people to um, help them through if they've got really stressful jobs and they've got lots of stuff going on around the outside as well. You know, helping them to manage the whole thing in its entirety is a really important thing that you need to really be seen to be providing um, to, to your team. Once you're providing that, though, we also need to make sure that the employees are taking the responsibility to implement those kind of things and to take this on as well. So it is is very much a two-way street, but we do need to talk about it, work out where the blocks are. Any good leader will be really focused on outcomes so that people are clear on what they should be doing. Once they get that clarity of what they should be doing. Any roadblocks, let's have a great dialogue and communication to talk about that regardless of what the roadblock is and let's get the support in place to help people to do that. So it is a two-way street on that. If you remove ambiguity, if you are super clear about what's expected, if you're super clear about the culture and how we do things around here, you are super clear about all of that right we don't have to spend cognitive energy on those kind of things okay and it also means that you're going to have less um, difficult conversations the only time we ever have a difficult conversation is because there was a mismatch of expectations that's it so if we get better as leaders at reducing the mismatch of expectations then, we should actually not really be having conversations that are difficult. They're just a conversation. Hang on, I thought I, I thought we agreed that this was going to be done by then and it's not. Talk to me about that. Yeah, and or, reducing the ambiguity plays really into that. It's massive. It's massive. Um, so ambiguity is is a really really evil thing as far as burnout goes and um, and people not understanding what's expected of them so we have to do everything that we can as leaders to remove the ambiguity get rid of that and half your job's done if you have more ambiguity you're going to have more difficult conversations that arise people don't want to have difficult conversations so pushing it back to your team to say hey Can you get this done by then? If not, tell me when, all right? You tell me when you can comfortably get it done by. You tell me if there are roadblocks. So if we provide that psychological safety for people to push back, to disagree and ask, I mean, disagreement also comes down to things like how do we do this easier? Uh, Like I like to do things as lazy as possible. What's the outcome? And then how do we do it with the least amount of input? required so we want to have great conversations around how do we do things not just the way that it's been done but how do we do it better and how do we do it easier and when you've got this idea of people can disagree safely then you don't have difficult conversations anymore difficult conversations take cognitive energy and they only happen because of a mismatch of expectations so reduce the mismatch of expectations save your cognitive energy life's a whole lot easier
1: so if you were, um, can you believe it? We're getting to to our time because we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, <laughs> we can't talk. There's no doubt about it. But if you were advising a young person today coming into the work environment for the first time, what would you? What were the? What would be like a couple things that you would say to them about how to be efficient and manage their um, ambitions in the in the work environment today? Vanessa, I'll
2: start off with you. Yeah, first thing, energy is your currency. Take it and own it as a responsibility because in my perfect world, energy should be a KPI for people. So it's only a matter of time before, um, you know, that, that, things like that will start to permeate people. Um, if you if you maximise your energy, then you are in a position to think better, you will get better mental health as a result of that. Um It's all of these kind of things that flow through that will set you in good stead. So firstly, do whatever you need to do to learn about cognitive energy and maximize cognitive energy for yourself and take that as a very key responsibility for you. And then also say just, um, you know, your career is your responsibility and nobody else's. So it's lovely if leaders, um, you know, we often think that our leaders should be able to read our minds. You know, let's not con- let's not confuse leadership with telepathy, right? So <laughs> if you if you need something, then and if you want speak certain up. training on something, speak up. If you um, if you are given too much work to do, then speak up by explaining that hang on this is going to take this amount of time and i've got this amount of time available to do it so um so people would rather know that um and and if you feel like you're in a situation where the leader's not promoting that and not allowing you to do that then leave and go and find a leader who will but your career and your energy is your responsibility and never ever forget that
1: fantastic christina what would you advise
0: What I would advise, I'd I'd be echoing exactly Vanessa's words. And I'd add to that by invest in learning about yourself and do the internal work. Don't shout because that's where you're going to build the skills to say no. That's where you're going to build the skills to speak up. So, um, do the, do the work on yourself and build your emotional Capability and your communication skills around around that um, balanced, obviously with you know the things that Vanessa was saying around getting that getting that balance. Understand your energy um, and and understanding that balance means also you know take take time out, recognizing yourself when you're at breaking point, and don't feel guilty about taking time out. You need to take that time out. You can't be running at you know hundred kilometers an hour or a thousand kilometers an hour the whole time. Um it's about knowing your own rhythms, but it's fundamentally about understanding yourself first.
1: That's absolutely right. I'd add to the what I would add to that is that basically you're coming in new. So um it, it's always hard before it's easy at the end of the day. <laughs> so it might take you a little bit longer to get things. And because you are working in a remote environment um, these days, it will be essential for you to get mentors. You need to start getting mentors day one because your boss will not be in your home office. Your boss won't be there like they would have been in the past. So you need people to talk to who are more experienced than you are. You need to make sure that you spend time and energy in your self-development and your, and your uh, skill development as well. If you don't know something, speak up. Communication is the key. Uh, again, like Vanessa said, managers are not mind readers. And it's better to ask what you think is a stupid uh, question than to make a stupid mistake. So nobody will ever think questions are stupid. That would be my advice to you as a as an entry person. But mentors, mentors, mentors. And not just one, several. And that would be my um, main thing that I would say to people coming in. And we are out of time. (laughs) Vanessa, oh my God. Thank you. You know, we have to have
0: you back. For more information about Every Step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favorite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics.